to be honest, I'm excited. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that we're in a good place. I think that we are going to make great strides over this next decade that are going to change the face of planet Earth forever. And yeah. it's going to provide a sense of unity through technology that I don't think we've ever seen before. Hello and welcome to the Crypto Standard Podcast, where we take the cryptic out of crypto and make it a little bit more simple for you to understand. Right, today we have an awesome one for you as we continue to take you all down the rabbit hole and educate you in your masters that is cryptocurrency. We are joined by Connor Boundy from Chicago where we chat about his journey into cryptocurrency and why he's invested in Reserve Protocol. I hope you love this one as much as we loved recording this. Connor's passion is definitely contagious. I must add, none of what I, Jim, or Connor say is financial advice and must be taken as educational information only. Right, let's go. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Crypto Standard Podcast with me, Jim. And me, Jordan. So, Jordan, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a bit disappointed today in that it's windy in Dundee. I wanted, I was promised sunshine all the time. What's going on? <laughs> Are we going to change it to windy, windy Dundee now, not sunny Dundee? <laughs> I tell you, I'm really excited for... So my brother's coming over. He's a doctor. He's, he's, he's a really good guy. He's a proper doctor in that he he doesn't do medicine for the money. He he just he's so passionate about his patients. Yeah. Um, so I've made him Irish stew. He <laughs> loves Irish stew. So I've made him an Irish stew tonight. So I've just finished it and it's in the oven for two hours. And I'm where, so where, excited about where's it. Where's my invite? Uh, <laughs> you may you may get some. Anyway, so Talking about Ireland and Irish people, I'm pretty sure a lot of them went to the USA and some of them ended up in Chicago because I recall um, 15 years ago going to some of the best Irish bars in this big, big street in Chicago and drinking a lot of Guinness. And on Chicago, we have a special guest. Who are you? Hello, Jim. Hello, Jordan. My name is Connor Boundy. Yes, I'm a proud Irishman. Also a little Italian in there, but love my Guinness, love my uh, my beers on the streets of Chicago. I'm glad you were able to experience that firsthand and maybe we'll be able to do it again in the near future. I remember going up, um, so the, initially in Chicago corner, you had the, it was the big, the Sears Roebuck Tower at the time was about the tallest building in the world. And he did the John Hancock Tower. So, it, I, I believe that we've got a new one coming up, this this wow. Vista building that's supposed to be the tallest one. But I, I like that you still call it the Sears Tower. You know, it, it got renamed to the Willis Tower, but <laughs> I, I think the whole city still calls it the Sears Tower, including myself. So you're yeah. good I, I think the old Sears, uh, I think it was called, it was named Sears Roebuck because it was that, was that, that, was that a big department store in America? Right, yeah, huge, huge brand name store. Yeah. And is it still going? Or is it gone? I, I think it's still going, but it's got to be on its last legs. I'm barely yeah. seeing any anymore. So tell us a bit about yourself, because we're really excited to have you on, because we've this is the first time we've met, but we can feel your energy and your passion that comes through Twitter, crypto Twitter, 
and some of the stuff in reserve, which we'll chat about later. So give us a wee bit about you, Connor. Yeah, I love I love that you can feel my passion. I, I live by the saying, passion is contagious. It's something that I hold, you know, close to myself. And uh, I, I, I truly, you know, I guess I embody that. I, I articulate it to almost every single person that, you know, I come across, whether it be virtually or in person. And I guess my journey honestly starts all the way back in high school. Uh, back in 2014, I was a junior in high school and my mom actually uh, introduced me to an opportunity that sent me on the journey that I am today. And got to give a quick shout out. It's her birthday today. So happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs> I, was, I was part of the first high school incubator program in the United States called Incubator EDU. And basically what happened was instead of walking into class with my backpack on and, you know, taking out my textbook, I was taking my backpack off when I walked into this classroom. I was sitting at a high table with laptops. There was couches everywhere. And we would have speakers come in to talk to us about business. And the whole focus of the class was to quite literally build a business from scratch. And we did that. So as a bunch of 16, 17 year olds, we tried to build this business and we ended up doing pretty well. We received $25,000 in funding at the end of the class to kind of kick this idea off. We're trying to build like a school bus tracking solution. And so for about two and a half years, we ran that business trying to get into schools. And unfortunately, we, we couldn't quite figure it out. And I think it was because one, we had a lack of experience as 16 and 17 year olds trying to run a company. But two, we were also taking on the new world of university. You know, I myself had the privilege to go compete in Division One athletics in the Big Ten. I was a wrestler at Indiana. Another member of my team went to go compete in Division One athletics at Oklahoma. And the others went to go pursue their career at Illinois and were crushing it. And so it was one of those things that it was one of the, it was a tough decision to make, but it was the right decision. We closed the doors. And as soon as we did, copycat organizations started to pop up left and right. And it was frustrating because nobody was doing it right. And soon after, you know, we closed the doors, my wrestling career actually ended. Uh, I suffered a knee injury that ended my career a little sooner than I would have liked, but it gave me a lot of time. And with that time, I started to dive into these copycats, started to dive back into the space and realized that still no one was doing it right. So I wanted to rebrand the company. I reached back to, out to my old team to see what they were doing and see if they wanted to give this a go. And it was right around 2017. And as you know, we had a big crypto pump right then. So two individuals had actually started a new company around blockchain technology. So wow. they were gone. Another individual you know, pursuing their you know, individual careers. So it was one of those things that I needed to go find a new team. And I went and found it at Indiana, found a group of really bright individuals who were you know, sharing that same passion of mine and helped build this organization. And so we ended up raising over $100,000. We built a solution. Uh, we closed multiple B2B deals and we grew our team to you know, over 20 plus part-time employees. And we ran the organization for about four and a half years. And it was an incredible experience. Um, it was hard to write a better story because I was working with individuals that I loved to work with. They were good friends of mine. We were also having the opportunity to choose how we were gonna work, the environment we were gonna work in. You know, we had a thing that we called recess every week where for 10 minutes, I would put a timer on my phone and anybody could talk about any topic they wanted in the company to start to bring ideas, kind of like an ideation phase. And it was a blast. And the last thing is, is 
we weren't building just some cool social media app or something. We were building a solution that was truly benefiting society. Our solution was focused on improving school safety. And it was pretty exciting. But last summer, we actually closed the doors. And it was one of the hardest decisions I've made in my entire life. And, I, and it was all for good reason, like I said, because I'm in a full-time job that I love. I lead a US and UK business development team, or at least assist in leading it. And I have an amazing time. I'm working at a company with people that I enjoy being around. We're you know, selling a solution that is a leader in our space. And I'm constantly learning every day. And I think that's key. And so closing this organization, sure, it was a bummer. But we got half of what we were trying to get when we started it, which was the experience. I learned a ton about entrepreneurship, ton about strategy, operations, you know, just business in general. But we didn't get the check we wanted. Sure. That check came elsewhere, though. Thankfully, I've been in crypto for a little bit. I got in in 17. And we'll go down that rabbit hole. In a bit. But I was able to have a little bit of capital that made up for it. And when I left the startup world closing this entity, I got drawn right back in quickly because I had been working with about a dozen CEOs across the country, just talking with them, sharing experiences, advising one another. And one of those CEOs started a company that was just taking off. And she asked me to get involved. And so I said, absolutely. I'm more than happy to, you know, just get my toes back in the water. And after a few weeks, next thing you know, she goes, would you be willing to invest in this organization with the group of individuals that, you know, you're kind of working with on the side? I didn't think that was an option. So absolutely. I jumped at the opportunity, you know, invested in this organization with a group of individuals and we started a holding company. It's called Atlantis Capital, and we've now been investing in fourth industrial revolution startups, blockchain, and cryptocurrency um, outside of all of our full-time positions. And it's been incredible. Like I said, every day, I just feel like I'm learning something new. I'm getting in the room with individuals where I'm trying to be the dumbest person in the room, mm -hmm. because if so, I've got a page of notes, and I've got a lot that I've taken away from the conversation. And so it's been an incredible experience so far, but I know that was a long story, but that's a little bit about me and I guess my entrepreneurship journey to kind of where I am today. Wow, that's really interesting. And I love the fact that it's a she that was a CEO. She is amazing. So I, I got to tell you a little bit about what they're doing, because I think that crypto might get involved with their platform soon. So they're called SpikeView. And basically what they do is they're a professional development platform for students. So they're being called LinkedIn for high school students. And it's providing students with the opportunity to share a 360 degree view of who they are and controlling the data around their story. And it's incredibly powerful because you know, the resume and LinkedIn are very 2D right now. It's really just stats. You can't really tell a story, show you who you are. There's no audio visual aspects that you can send to a recruiter, a coach, whoever it may be. So this platform is doing that. It's got an AI component behind it that is incredibly powerful, but it's already in a hundred plus schools across the nation and some internationally, and it is spreading like crazy. Um, she is one of those CEOs that when you're in the room with her, you can feel her passion. She's lived this. She's a mother. You know, she, she has individuals that in her household are living this experience right now. She wants to give them the tools to succeed. And so we see this almost waking up the next generation of young professionals, a lot of which have crypto in their background and showing what they're doing in cryptocurrency on their quote unquote, you know, professional record resume, 
but it's on their spike view. So it's going to be really interesting to see how things evolve. Wow. And when you're out and about in Chicago, um, is, is there a big crypto scene there or are there meetups or do you simply just go out and do what we do and just bore people to death talking about crypto? It's, it's a little bit of what you do, boring people to death talking about crypto, but I don't think they're very bored. I mean, it's one of those things that there are no meetups. You know, there are no group sessions where we're going and grabbing a bunch of individuals and talking about, you know, the reserve protocol or whatever it may be. But it is funny because you'll walk down the street and you'll be talking to somebody. I mean, this happened to me the other week. I was talking to one of my friends on the phone about cryptocurrency and somebody passes me and literally taps me on the shoulder while I'm on the phone. Heard me mention the words reserve protocol. Taps me on the shoulder and goes, did you talk talk about reserve great project can't wait for main net q4 walks the other way it's like did wow. i just, that actually <laughs> was that real and so did i just witness the top do i need to sell everything <laughs> um, but it was it was really cool because i feel like people are talking about it but mm. nobody is but it's all behind the scenes right now i mean i'm going out to you know the bars with my friends and somebody will mention it or somebody will say did you just see the price jump and all of a sudden, somebody over our shoulder, wait, what are you talking about? Are you looking at Cardano? Are you looking at Solana? Are you looking at Link? What is it? And it's really <laughs> fun because, you know, it's almost like this secret club that exists where yeah. going around, you're having the normal life. And all of a sudden, somebody says a trigger word and everybody snaps into this, you know, hole that is crypto Twitter or is, you know, just cryptocurrency and blockchain or whatever. And they immediately say, okay, wait, what do you know? We try and almost figure each other out to see where our level of intelligence is or experience is um, and see what we can do with just asking questions, probing into one another um, and what we can find. So it's always really exciting because you never know what's going to happen when you go out one night and uh, you drop one liner about cryptocurrency and somebody comes over your shoulder. Yeah. So we, Jordan, tell them about the, the neighbor we met the other day. Oh, oh Yeah. <laughs> that took me a while to process that. <laughs> um, so Jim managed to hook me into carrying five tons of wood into his uh, garage shed. So as we were doing that, someone drove past and they were just saying hi. And she worked for JP Morgan, and which was pretty cool because there's no offices up in Dundee, obviously. So she mentions that and then we were like, yeah, we're big into uh, cryptocurrency because Jamie Diamond is a big talking point at the moment. Absolutely. And yeah, she said that she's invested and some of her family had also invested. So like, That's it awesome. does, like as soon as you say the words cryptocurrency, yeah. people are like, oh, I, I want to talk about this. I want to find out more is usually the answer. But I loved that you said that when you're on the phone, and you mentioned reserve protocol. Reserve protocol of any, like it's not like, in the top 100. What? <laughs> there's 50,000 holders, you know, worldwide. Are you kidding me? <laughs> One of them just happened to pass me on the street. It was, it was like I, you know, it awoke in a Russian sleeper agent. <laughs> said the words reserve protocol, and all of a sudden somebody snapped into place. <laughs> <laughs> like, the next thing they're waiting for Tom Cruise to come down the right? road and abduct you. <laughs> Uh, so, so would you let me ask you a question before we go any further? So, a lot of the audience, we're we trying to inspire our audience and educate them. And 
we get great feedback from people who are just starting into crypto or seasoned investors. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to give you a follow-up. Would yeah. you say you're a little bit addicted to crypto? I would say I am definitely a little bit addicted to crypto. <laughs> I think I I notice that when I have to have friends and family tell me to stop talking every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, and the reason I'm saying this, and this is, we're just throwing this in today, this has come up on the Scottish media. Addicted to crypto, Scotland has a dedicated clinic for you. Tucked away almost 25 miles from the Scottish capital of Edinburgh lies the beautiful serene highlands of Blythe Bridge. Here, Castle Craig Hospital provides treatment for people addicted to trading, spread betting, and the trading of cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And the guy who runs it says, some of the symptoms that cryptocurrency users should look out for suggesting an addiction are feeling muscle tension and anxiety, <laughs> constantly checking the prices online, even in the middle of the night, and <laughs> thinking about cryptocurrency trading when they're doing other things. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh, I might need to go check myself in. <laughs> oh, man. That is crazy. I think that's yeah. the first I've heard of that. Yeah, apparently there's they're getting 10, 10, it says like, like 10 people, that, um, inquiries, the number of inquiries for its cryptocurrency rehab program are shooting up by a factor of 10 since last year. What? In what? Scotland? I was going to yeah. say in Scotland too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I guess they're coming to the US soon. They've got it. <laughs> uh, wow, that that's definitely the I first time I've heard. I just saw that coming through. I was like, wow, hold on a minute. That's really interesting because Jordan and I have talked a few times about, so my wife will say to me, she'll chat something and then she'll say, ah, you didn't get that, did you? Because I'm already, I'm already thinking about other things in the crypto world. <laughs> in one ear, out the other. You're all right. You're moving a thousand miles an hour all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody is in this space. I mean, yeah. and, and that's why, one of the reasons I provide those Sunday updates in the reserve discord is because half the time I feel like if I'm not on crypto Twitter or on the discord for one week, I've missed so much mm -hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. We're moving yeah. so fast. And I, I think that's also just why this piece is so exciting. hundred percent. Right. On the subject of family and friends, how do you talk to, let's go family first. Do you talk to your family about this? Because obviously, like I've said on previous podcasts that I've got my parents involved. They've got cryptocurrency and they get it now. And I can kind of talk a little bit to them about it, about the basics. Have you managed to get any of your family into it? Or we can go down friends as well. I was going to say, I think uh, that's actually the reason I got into cryptocurrency mm -hmm. is family. So what happened was, you know, I... I was always passionate about professional development from a young age because my dad was an entrepreneur. And so I was interning at companies since I was a senior in high school, which is not normal. Um, usually individuals aren't doing that, but I wanted to grab the experience. And so I grabbed some experience at a fast moving software startup. Uh, and I wanted to go check something out a different summer and go check out the banking world, which my dad lived in. And so I went to go check out the bank and intern there one summer. While I was interning there, the CFO of the bank tasked me with a project. 
And the project was to research Bitcoin and tell us why we should not invest in it. And this was about June, 2017. So right before the pump. That's amazing. And I went and did this research project. And I don't know what timeline he was expecting me to work off of, but in about two weeks, I came back to him and it sounded like it was faster than he was expecting. And I came back with this report and I, I think I caught him off guard because I laid it down on his desk he goes, so what'd you find? I go, well, to be honest, I bought Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin, and here's why you should invest in it. And this whole report explains it. And we had a long debate talking about it. Obviously we did not come to an agreement, but looking in 2021, I think I was right. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's funny because, you know, now my dad is, is definitely all over this. You know, he's, he's viewing different seminars. He's talking to his friends about it. I mean, I'm so excited for Thanksgiving to come up here because every year at Thanksgiving, we host it. And so we've got 40 family members coming in and it is a loud household. And during that loud household, I will tell you a lot of the topics on crypto. Everybody comes every year knowing, okay, here we go. Another Thanksgiving update. And so it, uh, it's pretty exciting and I'm looking forward to it because I, I've seen it. Pro- Last year was one of the coolest years for it where individuals were genuinely asking questions, trying to understand it. And it was one of the first times I'd seen my dad really defend me because he was starting to understand it and he was starting to see the value from it. And so it was one of those things that got me excited because I know I'm, I know I'm onto something. You know, I still have to get a better understanding of it, still have to keep doing my research, but I've got something here. Um, and I think that's what my family has started to realize is, okay, this is something. You know, I told them I was hopping on this podcast with you all and they go, Connor, what are you doing in this space? How are you talking to some individuals over in Scotland right now? You're some random 25 year old from Chicago. (laughs) Exciting. And so, you know, this space gives you that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to why you say you're addicted to it. I'm addicted to it because go back to the point early on. I find myself in rooms where I'm the dumbest person in the room. That is amazing. That means I'm taking pages of notes. I'm constantly learning and I'm trying to work my way up to the top of that room to then go find a new one. And cryptocurrency, it seems to be a theme, but there's a lot of people in the room that, man, their track record, their ability to articulate, you know, just anything. It's incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like I'm constantly learning when I'm here. That's a really great point, Connor, in that Jordan and I, and we're trying to bring the audience along with us is we, we feel that we're doing a master's or a PhD in uh, macroeconomics because we're constantly learning. You're understanding. You know, there's a, there's today today in the UK press, the Bank of England have come out and said, "Well, you know, the uh, cryptocurrencies could crash the market, the same as we saw in the financial crisis of 2000 and, uh, 2008, 2009. We're like, hold on a minute. That was you guys that crashed the market because you allowed all the debt and then you were all greedy and then the, there, was, there, was, there was nothing. When the rug got pulled, there was nothing there. Cryptocurrency is building on that. It's build, build, build. And then I thought to myself, okay, if I was trying to evidence this, what would I do? So I went on uh, yesterday and I looked at all the jobs in crypto. And the number of jobs in crypto, not just in the USA or remotely, in the UK, there was like 300 jobs that I could, I was like, wow. And and I was running out of scrolling the page Mm -hmm. and they were all just being posted. So that showed me the crypto industry is alive and well. 
and the bankers are terrified. Mm-hmm. So, so, we, so when you see Jamie Dimon saying, I don't like it, but you've got JP Morgan Chase now offering it to the high, high value clients, you can see it's coming. I love that you say that. And I think it's, I don't know if the bankers are necessarily afraid. They definitely are, but I think they're being strategic. So the more people that we've been talking to in our little investment group with Atlantis Capital, we've been getting in the room with some you know, CEOs of these banks or individuals who are connected to the executive suite. And we're hearing a lot of the time, they're not talking about it on the outside. They've got four hour meetings every single day, week, talking about crypto on the inside, how they're preparing for it, how they're leveraging it, what they're trying to do to understand it. And so it's one of those things that, hey, they might be saying something different, but I think everybody is investigating this right now. Everybody is looking at how they can leverage it. And I always go back to the DocuSign CEO talking about why he separated himself from the competition. I mean, he streamlined a process that just, if you were doing it the latter, where you were going and signing documents in person, sending them back and forth, there was no e-signature, you were hurting yourself. Every company to left and right that could offer e-signature, that was a ridiculous competitive advantage that you couldn't compete with. And so the DocuSign CEO, I don't care if you're not going to move forward because these companies that are, they're going to be here for the world tomorrow. They're going to be here to control the audience and you know, support the you know, customers that you couldn't because you couldn't compete. And that's what blockchain is doing. It's allowing yeah. this new competitive edge that if companies adapt it correctly, they are going to separate themselves from the competition. And if not, see ya. Yeah, that's really that's so powerful what you say that corner. And that's a great learning point for the listeners in that, you know, people sit there and we look at whether it was oil and gas or even you look at IBM or you look at big companies that have been there, big tech companies, and everyone thinks, oh, they'll just be there forever. There's always a new invention or a new innovation or a new entrepreneur that's ready to eat their lunch. And cryptocurrency right now is that new, it's that new um, alligator that's eating. I mean, think about Netflix. That was not too long ago, you know, where mm-hmm. they, they gave Blockbuster the opportunity to buy them and to end this. And now there's, <laughs> what, one Blockbuster left? And Netflix is a household name across the entire planet? It's crazy. Incredible. So it's Incredible. one of those things that disruptive technology is here. It's right now and it's consistent. And I think that's why, you know, our group Atlantis Capital has been investing in for IR, the fourth industrial revolution, because this new technology is coming right now that is going to streamline and automate the way that we know traditional business, traditional manufacturing, traditional supply chain processes today. And it's going to create a new world of possibilities that we only thought possible. Now that the fact we can do it, we need to figure out how. And so yeah. that's why it's been so exciting, you know, investing in some of these organizations, talking to these different CEOs because you're seeing the future of this planet and where things are going. And to be honest, I'm excited. And mm-hmm. I, think that, uh, I think that we're in a good place. I think that we are going to make great strides over this next decade that are going to change the face of planet Earth forever. And yeah. it's going to provide a sense of unity through technology that I don't think we've ever seen before. Yeah. At least that's my you know, dream scenario. I hope it goes you know, the way it does. But I think that this is going to be a catalyst. Blockchain is going to be a catalyst for this sense of unity through technology for the fourth industrial revolution to make you know, the next face of planet Earth. 
Jordan, you, you're you're a Gen Zer as well. Is that yeah. are you feel are you feeling what Connor's talking about there? A hundred percent. That was so strong. That was so powerful. The way that you articulated that was <laughs> better than I could do. Passion is contagious. <laughs> that yeah, honestly, I've got the exact same feeling that yeah, that we are in like a kind of broken. We're kind of in between at the moment. We've got like a kind of broken system and then we've got the new system like that is getting adopted and it is it's so exciting to look forward and what can happen yes there's going to be resistance to this change there's going to be huge resistance to this change and we're seeing that but like it is coming it's I almost want to say it's inevitable that it is coming I truly believe that like bitcoin will be a world reserve currency absolutely so yeah and yeah, so that actually leads us on to the next question quite nicely. That what is your what's your view on the Fed? Because we obviously talk about the money printing in America, and that is where we get a lot of our data just because it's so powerful, the dollar, and it does it like it runs the world essentially at the moment. So what is what's your view on what is happening? So honestly, I I think it goes back to like 2018, 2019 for me um, with kind of the United States government, everything going on there because they put the Google CEO on the stand, if you remember that. And they were talking to the Google CEO about privacy. And what happened was the United States government realized they have no idea how the internet works. No idea. They basically thought Google and Apple were the same company. It was one of those things that watching these videos it was, it was painful. It wasn't even like funny to laugh at for me because these individuals are running my nation and they do not understand how the most powerful technology on the planet works that literally facilitates our everyday interaction. That's terrifying to me. And it was one of those things that made me realize that if these individuals are running the nation, they don't understand how the leading technology is working. What are we doing? You know, and I think then I started to see what was starting to happen with cryptocurrency. And I saw what happened pretty recently with Brian Armstrong, the Coinbase CEO. That was ridiculous. He's creating a new solution that's going to allow, you know, yield for his, you know, individuals (laughs) holding at Coinbase. And in the interest of transparency, he lets the SEC know this is going on, gives them, you know, everything they need to do. And the SEC replies going, this is a security and he gets confused, says, why? Can you please explain? To which they shut down, they subpoena him, they demand testimonies from his employees, and they give him no reason. What? And so you want us to trust you, but we can't get any transparency? And at the same time, in 2020, you're going to print 22% of all US dollars and act like nothing happened? Really? Come on. And so it's one of those things that, unfortunately, I lost a lot of trust with them. And it feels like I'm almost like this conspiracy guy. But thankfully, I heard a comedian make a pretty good joke about this, talking about conspiracies with the government, saying, all right, let's take a step back. If you're one of these individuals that you don't believe in any conspiracies, like none, you just think the government is telling us the whole truth, batting a thousand, that's a conspiracy in its own. Because this comedian was talking about how I'm a father. And I've got a little munchkin running around. And I lie to that little kid all the damn time. So you're going to tell me 
that the government has all these little kids running around and they're going to just tell us the whole truth all the time. Really? <laughs> Come on. So like, true. Like it's one of those I, things that, like zoom out. <laughs> I, I, we, I don't know if you follow the United Kingdom's politics corner, but just now we have got a guy called uh, Boris Johnson as prime minister. He has yeah. been caught out fibbing so many times and, and he's cabinet. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like the caricatures of themselves right. and we just sit here and we go I'm, I, I shake my head um, I think we've got quite I think in Scotland we're quite a decent first minister in Nicola Sturgeon um, I believe she's got some integrity and she really tries um, and that comes back to I mean we potentially one day we could be an independent country and if, if that referendum goes ahead i am going to bang down the doors of the scottish parliament talking about bitcoin in reserve and say <laughs> buy this now buy this now i love it i love it hey and you'll have my full support <laughs> that's right so okay um let me let, before we move to reserve let's have a quick chat about bitcoin so Jordan and myself and our friend Chris have really strong debates on Bitcoin and Ethereum and Cardano. I think Cardano is just, my personal opinion is, Cardano as a platform just feels like it's the Rolls Royce. It's the, the it's just going to be a phenomenal platform to build on when people eventually do it. Ethereum seems to be catching up with Ethereum 2.0. Bitcoin always has this, well, it's the most decentralized. If you listen to people like Max Kaiser and Michael Saylor, they'll just tell you, this is it. Everything else is just noise. Where, where should, what, have you got a thought on Ethereum and Bitcoin and the, who's going to win the race there? So I think that's interesting that you compare them um, because I always view you know, Ethereum as like Apple. They're the marketplace that everybody is going to build this new world on. And I don't think Bitcoin really is that. Hmm. And I think, you know, building on Bitcoin, you can absolutely do it. But the power of Ethereum is crazy. And I've started to look into more of that platform technology, like what you're talking about with Cardano. And to be honest, I think I found one that everybody knows about, but for some reason, nobody's talking about. Are you familiar with Tezos? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why nobody's talking about this, but Tezos, to take a step back, first off, you just mentioned Ethereum 2.0. Everybody was waiting for that for what, three, four years? The next upgrade is going to happen in what, three, four years? I think DOT's platform upgrades governance protocols every year, and Cardano's the same. Tezos upgrades their entire protocol fundamentally every three months. They have the dot CEO just came out, I think a few months ago and said that there is no protocol that exists that is superior to Tezos right now. They have one of the most powerful platforms. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is if you're trying to develop and build, you have to teach yourself a new language of code singularity on Ethereum, but on Tezos, you can develop in Python. So the world of devs today in the central world they already speak that language. They don't have to learn something new. They almost can get their foot in the water and have this really easy bridge in developing on blockchain technology. And I am looking down the Reddit threads and everything, and it looks like the dev world is all over Tezos. But the dev world isn't usually the loudest on the other side of CT. And so yeah. it's something I feel like we're going to see coming here soon because the transaction speed quicker. The fees, I think I've sent... 100 plus transactions through the Tezos platform 
maybe, maybe I've spent a dollar in total fees, maybe. Wow. And it's one of those things that they're building new projects now. It's coming, you know, plenty DeFi is one that I'm pretty passionate about. It's the first DeFi token on Tezos. And it's, and it's interesting because I almost see this being the e-killer. You know, this being a new potential platform that it's not even new. It's something that's there that for some reason, people aren't talking about it, but it's making incredible moves in the background. The transaction volume is skyrocketing. The, you know, fundamental strength of the protocol is already superior. So what are we missing? Is it just the yeah. market? And I think that's I, what it is. I, I think you're right in that Tezos came out with, a, with it came flying out of the traps a couple of years ago and I had, I had a really, it's got one of, one of its main investors, I can't remember his name, he's a billionaire. And he he invests in, he's a kind of VC and he invests in a lot of this stuff in Palo Alto area. And he said, Tezos, Tezos, Tezos. And then it just died. And it just died. And it, it seems to be making a slight comeback. And I can see a few traders saying Tezos is a sleeping giant. But yeah, yeah you're right. In terms of what it was, in terms of the act technology, what it was set out to do, it just got lost, didn't it? Right. And so that's where I'm just, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here with some of these platforms because Cardano, obviously everybody's talking about it, but when you look at the fundamental strength, it's not close. No. So why are not, why are people not talking about Tezos? I mean, I get yeah. everybody's in the NFT phase. So that's why Solana is just skyrocketing and I'm still hitting myself for missing <laughs> that one um, I because I had a lot of friends that were very interested in that shout out to the mango markets team. Um, but it was just something that was uh, was really interesting to watch because I feel like it's almost somebody big talks about a token and it's a viral effect where retail just FOMOs into this thing. I mean, you're watching it happen with, you know, Ohm Olympus right now. And yes. I think, it, who knows, I still have to do a deeper dive into the project, but my gosh, that has been all over my feed for the last few weeks. And the price has what, 7X in a week and a half, two weeks? Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. And so, so, so is that sustainable? I don't know. I guess within that, and this is a really good point for the listeners. So we talk about Reserve, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Cardano, you've got Solano, you've, and you've all the other different projects. I guess that's the exciting part in that you can't just, you can, it's not just a case of, well, you've got Apple, Google, Amazon, um, you can go and invest in those, but you've got so many projects within the cryptocurrency space that are doing amazing things. Polkadot is just going to have its parachains auctions. And even when I use that word, Polkadot is going to have its parachains auctions, people will be scratching their heads and say, what's he talking about? But if you Google that and you actually try and figure out what Polkadot is trying to do in terms of interoperability and joining up all the chains, it's phenomenal. So you can, be, you can invest or you can, you can find out about one project 12 projects you can invest in one you can invest in 12 um, and that's the joy of what and, and there's new ones coming all the time all the and time do, and with, with great people clever talented people I, I was going to say and and that's the thing it's not like these new ones are being created by some nobody you know mm -hmm. sure every once in a while they are and they make a name for themselves absolutely but usually some of these new tokens that are being created and new technologies that are being created are backed by individuals that you're like, whoa, okay, I got to watch this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so it's really interesting because I think it just goes back to my point. The reason there's so many new tokens created, we're still so early. 
We are on the yeah. very edge of the fourth industrial revolution and watching this new technology reveal endless possibilities to the world. So, Jordan, speaking of clever, talented people. <laughs> are you going to talk about me now? <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Do you invest in reserve? <laughs> I do indeed. So I think this is a great segue now into just having a chat about reserve. Yeah. I, I'm in awe, and I don't idolise him, but I'm in awe of Nevin Freeman, <clears throat> the CEO at Reserve. I think he's a super clever, super, uh, super clever individual with such high integrity and... Oh, he's, he's kind of blown me away. He's come from nowhere, blown me away. Right. And we've had him on the pod and we'll have him on before. You both invest in reserve or you're both like the project. If I was to ask you both, um, and let's go for Connor first, what, what is it you like about that particular project? So I would say this goes to my experience in crypto. I, I think I could have done better in my 17 run if I would have invested in projects that didn't talk the talk, but walked the walk. Uh, I, I loved projects that were in 2017 that were, we are going to be this amazing vision here, but maybe they didn't make a lot of progress toward it. Reserve has kind of been the opposite. They're kind of quiet. They don't talk about it a lot. They just walk and people do the talking for them, which I yeah. think is incredibly powerful. And then when you look at who's behind it, the team, it just, it gets me more excited because like we talked about, these aren't nobodies. These are pretty powerful individuals. I mean, PayPal, Peter Thiel, the former SEC chairman of the United States is on their board of advisors. These aren't just random people that are coming on for, you know, quick pump in a crypto project. These are people and a team they're putting together to change the world. <laughs> so I get, I get really excited about it. And I know we could go on forever. <laughs> Jordan, what do you Jordan? think? Yeah, well, the main reason that I actually got into reserve is because when I invest in cryptocurrency or any token or any coin, I feel like it has to have like a real use case. And with reserve, so my first big investment was Cardano and that has a real use case. And you can see, you can just look what they're doing in Africa and they're expanding around the world. So that was my first intro. And then I moved to reserve and they're actually helping people right now in the world. Oh, I just kicked somebody. <laughs> that it's honestly mad. Like it opens your eyes to what the problems are in the world because of crypto Twitter. I wouldn't have known, or I wouldn't have highlighted the problems in South America, especially Venezuela and right. what hyperinflation is doing. So bring in reserve, they're, as you said, they're not concentrating on marketing and really pumping the RSR token. They are concentrating on actually solving the solution. So if we can solve this solution, then I'm going to invest in it. Like I will invest in the solution and then hopefully my RSR will go up, but I'm also investing in a real, a real use case uh, token. That is that's my most, like, that's why I'm passionate about reserve. Okay, so, so you're, both, <laughs> you're both into reserve. Let me tell you who else is into reserve. And sometimes you overlook this. So one of the investors is a guy called Matt Bremer, or Matt Brimmer. 
he was the co-founder of General Assembly. And I remember when I was in New York City, I, um, I visited a couple of General Assemblies. And it was, it was just basically a fantastic big sort of co-working space and people would hire, people would, would go in there. But then they quickly worked out that, hold on a minute, all these big tech companies, they need developers. So they went to the tech companies and said, how many developers do you need? Well, we need 90 that can code in Python or whatever it is. Great, we'll bring them in. And people would go in and pay. So they would pay them to do it, and then they would pay for the course, and they would teach them how to code, and then they would go, in, go into the job. It was brilliant. And he sold that for like $413 million in 2018. He knows business. He's invested. He's, he's just one of the investors that's invested um, in, in reserve. Peter Thiel, Jack Selby, another founding member of PayPal. So when I look at that and I think, I think to myself, this guy, Nevin Freeman, has managed to herd all these super clever guys. And some of them will have attitudes. Some of them will be will have a, be really tough to deal with. And as you, we talked about super clever and got them to stick money into this. Wow. There's something going on here. Yeah. And I, I think it goes back to what you're saying, Jordan. They're walking the walk. Mm -hmm. They're doing something that is actually being applied to the real world today. You've got how many 300,000 potential users right now with probably close to 150,000 active users using a solution in 5,000 different businesses on a beta. What? Yeah. You know, my, my, my way I always talk about reserve is I go ignore crypto for a second. If I'm going to tell you that I found this really cool tech company that we could all invest in right now, there's no barriers to invest in it. We could go invest in it today. And it started in the United States, Silicon Valley to company. And I told you this company launched their beta solution in March. And in six, seven months, they grew to 300,000 users, 125,000, active users doing millions and millions of transaction volume through the platform, this beta app every day. You would say, what is going on? You'd say, okay, this is something that's growing. I need to take a look at this. And then I tell you that PayPal is invested, that the former SEC chairman of the United States is sitting on the board, and then the list just keeps going. Mm -hmm. Y Combinator, you know, Coinbase, Digital Currency Group, so on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or it's one of those things that, again, I keep just, it, it's one of, it's hard for me to understand why not. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I keep trying to poke holes. And I think that's one thing that our team over at Atlantis Capital does a great job of. We're constantly saying why. You know, when the yeah. staking happened, I was super excited about it. But some members of our team were saying, here's the holes of why we think that might be bad. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, was there something that we missed on why they didn't go with arbitrage, why they went to staking? Is there something behind the scenes that we are not seeing? I don't think so. But we're also, we're always trying to poke those holes, see if there's something here that we're missing. And reserve protocol tends to be the hardest to poke holes in. So in terms of that poking holes, and that's a really good, it's a really good analogy to use. I feel that the team at reserve have, have done a pivot. There's been a pivot. And I don't think the pivot's been properly communicated as a pivot. I think they've said, well, we're going to do that. We're now doing our tokens. And I think part of the apprehension or the uncertainty is that they've pivoted and they've just not said, guys, we've had a pivot here. Yeah. yeah. I could not agree more. They almost they branded it almost as like an, like just some random upgrade. 
But no, we completely changed the fundamental aspect of where this is going. This is absolutely yeah. a pivot. You know, there was some inflection point or some catalyst that happened on the inside that I'm assuming we'll hear about later that caused this to happen. Um, and I don't know if it was potentially maybe these massive amounts of investors that came in. I mean, when they launched their new website this year, that investor list maybe tripled or quadrupled. I remember yeah. scrolling through it and I was like, when is this going to stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going. And then I realized, wow, now I have to go look up all of these people. <laughs> you know, I've got so many people to go figure out who is this person and why are they part of reserve now? Um, and so I, I, I just always think that's so interesting. Yeah. And okay. So it's had a pivot. It's moved into our tokens and Nevin and the team, um, I'm not sure if it's, I'm pretty sure RSV Sinatra is not the guy's name or the girl's name, a guy's name because he was on it. And, and they did an AMA this week, Ask Me Anything. I came away a little bit confused. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of, cause, because it's very technical. It's very geeky tech. And, and I think in terms of Nevin, that's his comfort zone. He loves yeah. talking about that. And I would have loved them to tell, just to say, let me give you some real analogies and, and examples of what it could be. I, I couldn't agree more. I was only able to tune in a little bit, but it felt like that. And from you know talking to some individuals, that's the feedback that I've heard across the board. It was a little too complicated. And I understand it because they're just figuring out how to articulate this now to the audience. You know, that's going to be a learning curve for them. Because like we said, there was something that happened here on the inside that caused this shift. Maybe they were prepared for it. Maybe not. Either way, it's moving forward. And so yeah. as a startup, they're kind of figuring it out as they go, as much as they've got yeah. the swim. And so it didn't necessarily, it wasn't a red flag to me. It's just, okay, they still are learning on how to articulate this, mm -hmm. learning on how to make sure the RSR holder understands in our token, why they should stake, how to create an R token and all of that. Yeah. And so that's a good, good point you make there in that, so Bitcoin is Bitcoin. It is this, it is this entity, this decentralized powerful entity, this blockchain that is sitting there generating blocks every 10 minutes. You've got Ethereum, as you said, and Jordan's used it's like the Apple. And yep. and then all the apps are built on it. Um, but then you've then and one of those apps that has been built on it is reserve. Yep. And it's a startup. And lots of things can go wrong because you've got processes, people, system, culture, all that sort of stuff that Nevin and his team are trying to build. And now I, I managed 40 people one day when I had my businesses. He's managing 150 plus over different geographies and countries and languages. That's a lot. In a space that you're paving the way, you're a pioneer. It's yeah. not like there's yeah. some blueprint we can follow or, <laughs> or some example where we can go, well, they did it this way. No, we're creating potentially the world's currency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. There is no blueprint. You've got to kind of figure this out as you go. And they've done a great job of it in terms of being patient and, you know, making sure that every step they're taking is well calculated. Like we talked about, you know, a couple of times now, this was clearly an inflection point on the inside. But if you're going to yeah. tell me that with all of the manpower they had, the intelligence and resource they have in that room, that wasn't well thought about, that wasn't well planned, I'm going to counter and tell you. Yeah. 
hold up, hold up. Don't skip this bit yet. So the next couple minutes are going to be a little bit more complicated for those that aren't familiar with reserve, but this is only for a couple minutes. And I just want to give you a heads up that we do bring it back and then it goes back to simple terms. Yep. And that's me over and out. Back to the podcast. <laughs> I still don't fully understand I kind of like so anyone can create an R token well who's yep. anyone does that mean the three of us could get together and create an R token do we need to be technically savvy or is it going to be so easy that they just allow you to do it or do you have to have developers to create an R token I'm fuzzy so to my understanding anyone's going to be able to do this and I almost want to get creative and just mess around and just try it. Who knows? Um, so who knows? You might see a, an Atlantis coin come out soon. Um, but to my understanding, anyone can do this. It could be a DAO. It could be you know a group of individuals. It could be a single person. And it's kind of how you would launch a trading pair on Uniswap using this basic factory contract, which I know one of my non-technical friends has done. And so it's possible. And so I just, I haven't done it yet, but it's clearly possible and doable, but you create this factory contract to where, all right, I want to create an R token. It's going to be doing this. And these are the basket of coins that I want it to, you know, have backed chain link, GRT, whatever it may be, some stable coins. And after you do that, you pretty much get control over how you're going to govern the token. The person that deploys it gets to decide how much revenue is shared with the RSR holders. What's the minimum staking period? You know, what's the maximum you can have, you know, staked onto the protocol, whatever it may be, voting rights. And, you know, these individuals that are going to be creating this can also kind of customize the user interface on the front end of it, creating almost a new tool on top of the reserve protocol that might have the reserve protocol just facilitating a small portion of it. And so the opportunity, limitless. They're basically creating an ecosystem within reserve with the reserve RSR token backing that ecosystem. There's so, like DeFi within DeFi. Uh, so if I was to take that a step further, so are we talking that, so if I look at the Solana or the Polkadot or the Cardano ecosystem, and they've got these lovely infographics of all the different stuff that's happening, are we saying that, then, that the reserve app would sit at the top and there'll be lots of other are tokens and people that will be creating stuff that's DeFi, and we'll, we can tell the audience what that really means, using the Cardano, sorry, using the, um, the Reserve app as the conduit for it all. So I don't know if it's all going to be facilitated through the app or if it will just be, you know, the fundamental, you know, fundamentals of the protocol and you'll be able to, you know, connect your factory contract to it and build on top of it. I'm not sure about that. I'm assuming we'll get that in the white paper. Um, that'll come out. But from the high level documents, you know, to my understanding, I, I feel like I still have to dive a little bit deeper. Um, I, I feel like, yes, everything's going to be backed by this, you know, by RSR. Is it all going to be facilitated through the app? No, I don't think so. I think that would be unrealistic. I think that would cause a lot of confusion for the individuals that are using the reserve app for what it's supposed to be used for, mm -hmm. you know, stable payments. This is almost like a separate part of reserve in my eyes. This is for yeah. the RSR holders that are trying yeah. to facilitate RSV. 
It's incentivizing us RSR holders to support the governance of the RSR protocol to support RSV that is going to be the global currency. Yeah. And so I think that's how they're viewing this is this is almost like a second market and a second you know, value prop of you know, the reserve protocol. It's making sure that our you know, holders of RSR, they stay here. They don't go to Cardano. They don't go to Solana. They're supporting this and they have the opportunity to build on it with limitless yeah. potential. Yeah. You, so, I, sorry, one thing I was going to pick up. Do you think, so we're talking about anyone can build an R token. Do you think, and I know this is a thing that me and Jim talk about a lot. Do you think big like institutions or companies will come in and form their own R tokens? Oh my gosh, yes. I would be, you know, what's going to be interesting is if an entity like PayPal will be allowed to because of their tie to this. I mean, we already know that they are planning to get very deep into crypto. We can, you know, anticipate that reserve protocol is probably going to be listed in terms of, you know, pairs that they will have in terms of their offerings they you know, provide to customers. But is PayPal going to be allowed to build on it because they're invested? I don't know. Is that a conflict of interest? Maybe. But will other large companies jump at this opportunity? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if they see that this is proven, I mean, reserves creating two out of the gate, if they see one of these second token, the second token that's yield bearing starts to get some traction. Maybe somebody else builds an R token that starts to get some traction. I'd be shocked if other people don't try to follow suit and replicate the success. And if the success starts to come in bunches, it's going to attract some big players. And that big player is going to come in a DAO or some just large centralized entity that wants to get involved in crypto for the first time in a way that I almost feel like reserve is not crypto. You know, we're yeah. this payment platform that's allowing for secure payment across the world. I always describe it as the most secure Venmo on the planet that every business and every person accepts. And so your Venmo it's just your bank account as well. And so if you look at it that way, and we're going to attract a lot of people onto the platform, I'd be shocked if businesses don't join. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so Dot or Polkadot is giving its holders 12%. It pays out 12% in staking. Cardano is about 4 to 6%, depending on where you do it. Is it, if I, did I get, is it Varsity is doing 25%? Yeah, 25. 25.5. Wow. So, so these, these are attractive, these are attractive yields for people who are investing in these tokens. And of course, you've got the capital gain um, as, a, as the price goes up. Uh, if someone, let's say you've got five R tokens that are created, they've got to be competitive. You can't have an R token that does 2%. You've got, they've got to be competitive. Otherwise, people will say, I'm going to put my money into DOT when I'm getting 12%. So oh, that, that's the bit that I think, because I, look at, because I look at Reserve as quite a conservative company, I just be bamboozled if they come out and say, right, we're, we're, we're kicking off with 10% right away. I, I, think I'm, I think I'm with you. I just... I don't know what to expect here. And I feel like just because the, the APY game has been crazy the last few months across Twitter. I mean, Ohm is what, 7,600%? You know, plenty DeFi is a couple hundred percents. It's one of those things where I don't know. Are they going to try and get competitive with this? And are they going to try and compete with these absolutely unrealistic APYs? Mm -hmm. I hope not. 
because I don't think that that's sustainable. But at the same time, if they do it, why are they doing it? It's like we talked about before. They are going to be patient and extremely strategic in their approach. That number that they are going to attach is going to have hundreds of hours of debate behind it with individuals that are way smarter than any of us. And they are going to be able to justify that number and understand that here's why it will change or here's why it will stay the same. But I, I will say, I just, I still think it's whatever number they start with going to change right away. We're going to get feedback to the community and something's going to happen. That's my opinion because the state game right now is super hot and everybody has an opinion on it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get, we're going to get a staking yield on one or two coins initially, and they are our tokens. But one of the one of the other interesting things that I think worries some of the the community, and you, you'll see it in Discord as well, is when we talk about the slow vault. And I think Nevin had talked on the AMA, I think it was a sweet sinner Neve that asked him, are you going to change the, the, the mechanism of the slow vault? And I know we've got a white paper coming out, but that that can, that worries people about when the initial investors could literally just dump their dump their coins. I don't think they will. I don't. I don't think they will. These people. These people don't want to make a few hundred thousand. They want to take millions out of it. They want to reserve it twenty cents, thirty cents, whatever. So, and I have to agree with you there. I don't think people are in this for this quick exit. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, the project, look at it. It's trying to be the world's currency. We're in one real country today. You know, we're scattered around a couple others. If you're supposed to do that, zoom out. We're 0.01% of the way there. You're going to tell me you're going to sell when you get to 0.02%. Hey, all you, I'm going to try and see where this thing's going to go. And I think that's most of the community. I mean, look at the discord. That group is so active. You will have that eggplant emoji flying everywhere. You know, it's, it's hilarious. The individuals are all so supportive of one another too. You know, when people are asking questions, it's not very aggressive. It's very supportive. It's trying to figure out, dissect, and help one another understand why we're all on the same team here. You know, I think it's mad. I, I'm just going off on a total tangent here that the modern day investors are, we, we're on Twitter and Discord um, if you look back maybe 20 years ago, it was people in suits and Same. honestly mad. I'm just sitting in my bedroom and I'm investing in like real world solutions. It's mad what's getting built on Twitter and Discord and all these social medias now. Well, and I think the other crazy part is that's where the information is. Yeah. When people ask me, they're like, okay, so where should I go to learn? What website should I go to? I don't ever direct them to websites. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you got a couple. Go to coinmarketcap.com. Use that as your, you know, overall where the market's going. See if you can, you know, dive into project details at a high level. But get on crypto Twitter, <laughs> the discords, you know, get on the subreddits. That's where all the action is. That's where these individuals are just talking about whatever they want to talk about. And you can see any opinion that you could imagine. Yeah. And it allows you to, you know, take in all of those different opinions and form your own. Versus just reading one article that says reserves bullish or reserves bearish. Well, guess <laughs> yeah. what? I'm going to see somebody say that RSR is going to the moon. And on that Twitter thread, there's going to be 40 people that will say it's going to zero, 40 that are going to say it's going to a dollar, you know, and a bunch in between. Yeah. I want to see all of those, you know, reasons, get that understanding, see how the community is feeling at a high level. 
And I'm not going to be able to do that on a website article or, you know, just one central area. I need a community to be actively talking about it because all this information is so new. Like we talked about week over week over week, there's epic, fast changes going on. In order to keep up with that, you need a lot of eyes. Yeah. So thinking about where the app is actually growing, where Reserve is growing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a, a real good sort of confidential chat with a member of the team, the Reserve team this week, and they are absolutely stoked about what is happening in Venezuela. They are absolutely over the moon with the exponential growth of the app down there. And I know, we, so I guess the three of us are talking, this could be five years for a massive return on your RSR. This isn't going to be next week or the week after. This is this is hold, 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 and see what happens with this Silicon Valley startup. But the results they are getting in Venezuela in terms of, the, from what I gather, the systems are literally creaking at the seams because they're onboarding so many people. That's that's. That's phenomenal. <laughs> it, it gets me so excited. And it goes back to why I got so interested. They're walking the walk. They can barely keep up with the demand, which is why they're not marketing. Because they need to make sure they can you know, handle their current audience. And it's because their solution is bringing so much value to a need that people are raving about it. And it's super easy to understand, according to the audience, to where they can tell anybody about it. That's just, that's something that you only dream of as an entrepreneur or as a product creator or service creator, that your solution is going to get talked about by its users and its users will grow the solutions population (laughs) organically. Really? Yeah, Yeah, that's dream marketing. I wish that's how it (laughs) always works. That's not how it's supposed to work at all. It's crazy that they had to literally hold themselves off from marketing to handle yep. customer support and make sure they can handle customer service 24 seven. And they did it. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. I mean, to keep so they, up with that demand, scale a business, grow this team internally, handle all of these obstacles that a startup is going to go through in a hyper growth phase and continue this momentum, the team you must have behind you and the plan you must have. Oh my gosh, is everybody aligned on the same page and moving at just a pace that is hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be so interesting to see when this next inflection point hits, when the app goes live, anybody anywhere can start using this. Any businesses can start you know, adopting it. What's going to happen? Because we're seeing it happen in a controlled area yeah. where it's viral. What happens when you take off those barriers? Yeah. I don't know. Especially when you add some marketing fuel to that, where we they're being a bit. constantly pushed in the largest magazines, largest you know, publications, doing, uh, you know, AMAs, whatever it may be, more people are going to know this exists. And I think I always go back to the wallet holders. There are over 100 million Bitcoin wallet holders today. There's over 500,000 Chainlink wallet holders today. There are less than 50K, maybe right above 50K right now. I haven't checked. Wallet holders for RSR. We are so early. Yeah. And Jordan and I had a chat earlier on about this word. So they've got their pain point spot on that people want the app and they like the app. And then they've got the word of mouth. And then Jordan and I chatted earlier on about, well, if if they grow Venezuela so that X amount of the 
percentage of the population in Venezuela, both businesses and individuals are using it and it becomes the app of choice. And then they decide to, to say, right, let's really turn our guns in Argentina. Do you not think the people in Venezuela will tell the people in Argentina, this is the puppy to use? And all of a sudden you've got trusted people using it. They just say, download it. Where is it on the app store? And it's coming on the app store and it's already on Google, uh, Google Play. <sighs> that is That is really powerful. Well, I mean, think about it when you're just downloading an app. You're going to look at the reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see 5,000 reviews at 4.8, that says something. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. when all of those reviews are also commenting, this is the best app ever. I love this. This is changing my life. There's something wow. here that you're not seeing. And yeah. so that's where I think that, again, once we take these barriers off, everybody's going to find out what's going on here real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a matter of when. Uh, yeah. And in terms of, so we're all hoping also that mainnet is going to fall um, this quarter. What, what does mainnet mean to you, Connor? Mainnet means to me that this is becoming a crypto because yeah. right now it's not. It's, you know, it's a centralized token. I mean, it is a crypto, but it's still pretty centralized. Mainnet, we are finally going decentralized. Mm-hmm. We're off our beta. Mainnet, we are a business. We are a product market ready solution no longer beta, the training wheels are off, it is full speed. We are trying to make this the product that we know it is. And that's how I view it. I view that as the next inflection point of the business to say, guess what guys, we're here, take a look at us. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the, you know, this has all been preseason. We're making sure that our lineup looks well, making sure that there's no injuries. If they are, they're getting replaced. And once our lineup looks perfect, and man, that quarterback's ready to throw for 500 yards behind center, going to snap that ball and kick off the game. I think that's what they're doing right now. Is yeah. Main, is that, it's that kickoff to the main season. Preseason's over, guys. We went 4-0 in the preseason. We absolutely <laughs> killed it. But guess what? It's time to play football. It's time yeah. to actually get serious. It's time to step up to the plate and see, are we actually who we think we are? Yeah. And I think that's what's going to happen here. It's the big test. It's the next inflection point to say, can Reserve do what they've been planning to do? Wow. And on that, on that note, do you think that reserve can become a world, a global currency? Because as we're, we're constrained to South America at the moment, and that's where it's really needed, and it's, a, it's getting like huge adoption. But do you think this will move out to North America, to Canada, to Europe, to Asia, do you think this will just go worldwide? So I do think it will, but I think what's going to happen is we are going to hit the next phase of crypto, which I think is happening right now. Fighting directly against central governments. Because right now, like early stages of crypto, we we proved, hey, this is a concept that that actually works. Now we've proved some real world application. You know, people are actually using this. Now we're trying to prove, is this something that we can scale? Is this something that people will, you know, accept at large? We're going to have to go through central government for that. And I think that's going to be a serious battle. Mm-hmm. United States, they're not very friendly with this. <laughs> I think we already went down that rabbit hole. And I doubt others are going to be very receptive too. Now, our third world countries, hell yeah, they're going to jump on this because they see the value of it. They don't have that, you know, U.S. dollar sitting in their treasury that they can, you know, back and, and feel confident in even though I'm not really confident in it myself. But it's one of those things that 
I, I really do think they're going to scale because as soon as South America adopts this, as soon as their central governments say, you know what, our citizens are using this more than we can even control it. We need to accept this and just make sure that it's in writing. You know, we're here supporting this. That's going to start a viral effect. It's just going to take one. And I think we'll grab South America and Latin America first. I think that North America is going to be behind. I think the United States will be very behind because think about it. Crypto is the biggest threat to the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is arguably right now, you know, the world's currency. It, everybody's using it in a way, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And I don't think that should be the case. You know, I, I don't think that we need to have so much dependence on this. And unfortunately, the United States government is going to make themselves look like the bad guy in crypto because they're going to be defending this central U.S. dollar and saying all of this other stuff is bad and fake. And we're probably going to be one of the last people to adopt this. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. But just thinking about it from that perspective, if I'm the U.S. government, that's how I would be. You lose control of the dollar, you lose control of a lot. That's the reason you have a lot of control over the rest of this planet. And if that goes away, well, what's going on now? Who's in charge? You know, yeah. who's pulling the strings behind the scenes? And I think that's where reserve is going to make sure that nothing like that is ever possible. Nobody's going to be allowed to pull strings. There's going to be full visibility, full transparency, full trust amongst every person. We're going to level the playing field mm -hmm. to where it's fair for an individual like myself in Chicago or an individual down in Venezuela. And they have the same opportunity to a secure currency that is going to allow them to participate in the fourth industrial revolution in the next wave of planet Earth. Because without it, without currency, I mean, can you even be part of the 21st century? It's why they built, you know, the, uh, the marketing campaign they did, preserved it. That's why they were saying stable currency is a human right. Mm. We're trying to get the world to identify that this is a problem. If yeah. we get the world to identify that this is a problem, naturally, we are going to look for a solution. And naturally, they're going to find reserve. I don't know if you saw, if you've had time to see yet, Connor, that President Putin of Russia has come out today and said that cryptocurrency, quote, has the right to exist and can be used as a means of payment, unquote. Wow. Did not yeah. see that coming. Yeah. All so right, he's Putin. come out. Yeah, I know. And, and you know, it's hard, it's hard to stop Bitcoin because it's so decentralized and it's got so many. So it's just it's, it's embedded already. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got this new kid on the block, RSR, RSV. It's coming out there. It's doing it a different way. It's got a different offering. It's app based. You don't need to run nodes. You don't have to go on and um, buy Bitcoin. And you probably be able to. You probably at some point within the reserve app, there'll be other cryptocurrencies they'll put on there. I think it could end up becoming like your own mini exchange. Is it right. like Cash App? Well, and I think that's where it might even be going with these R tokens. Yeah. It might be like an own mini ecosystem and exchange with it where, hey, I buy this R token and guess what? I hold a basket of Bitcoin, ETH and Litecoin. You know, yeah. I hold a basket of whatever. And you might decide that this is a new form of investing within cryptocurrency that might be more profitable, might be safer. I don't know. We're going to see. But they're creating an opportunity to make a new marketplace within the reserve protocol and compete with the apples of the world, Ethereum, compete with the Solanas, compete with the Tezos and build a new aspect to reserve where you can build on it now. 
That's amazing. So, wow, that's that's an hour that's flown in there. Is there anything that we've missed, Connor, that you think we should be talking about, or are you are you are you, are you just pumped for reserve? I, I would say I I'm so pumped right now, and I'm I'm honestly just I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity to do this with you guys because I think what you're doing is incredible, and I think the audience is realizing that as you're you know 50 episodes deep now, but more people are going to understand that this is a place to learn. I think that's the key is just mm. you need to keep learning in this space. Anybody listening right now, it's so new. You are not behind. You are not Connect. late. We mm. are not even 1% of the way on this journey. And the more yeah. rooms that you can get into where you're the dumbest person in that room, you're taking a page of notes. You're going to work your way up to the top of that room and find a new one. And if you start now, you start that journey, you hop on crypto Twitter, you're following the crypto standard podcast. <laughs> You got a good start. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. That is an awesome way to round the podcast. Honestly. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. This was amazing today, Jim and Jordan. Seriously. I had so much fun this morning. So, so much fun this morning. Connor, thanks very much. And uh, have a great weekend in Chicago. And maybe one day we would come out there and get a nice freezing cold pint of Guinness. I would... <laughs> Love that, and I am waiting for the day. Awesome. Cheers, Kona. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.